This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, brought to you by Blue Mark Energy. Tim Fitzgerald in the home studio, Matt Walters, Travis Tannehill, and Ryan Black. The whole team is here. We're all out of quarantine, if we ever were. We're all uh, off the injured reserve, and we have shown up. And we look like we are fired up to talk about another dominating K-State victory over Kansas. Just doesn't get old, guys. I'm sorry. It does. I could talk about this every year for the rest of my life, at least every year for the next 15 until this series is tied back up. But I, I was uh, blown away by how dominating K-State was while not being very good on the offensive side of the ball on Saturday in the first half, and yet special teams and defense led them to a blowout, and then this then the offense settled in the second half, and the triumphant, the trio of things you need from the offense were put together. Matt, it was it was pretty incredible. Kansas State wins by forty one points, and you know they they weren't very good offensively in the first half. It, it came together in the third, and Will Howard and that offense really started clicking. At you know. Chris Kleiman, I think, got after him a little bit at halftime because their drives in the in the third quarter were six plays, sixty-nine yards; seven plays, seventy-one yards; and eleven plays, ninety-four yards. And that last drive was the longest, which took five twenty-two. I mean, they they got after it, controlled the line of scrimmage, and uh, you know, really, really made it look easy. And you just, you know, if if you're watching that game. There's a lot of things that you question the some of the decisions that were made on the other side of the football, and uh, you just you know you you wonder how's KU going to get better uh, because right now they are ungood. That's the best word I can use. They are they're just they're ungood. Ungood KU football. That's a good marketing strategy. Take it right and there. run. Take it and ungood. run. Um, Ryan Black, and they got the receivers involved in the second half. I, I thought that was kind of a highlight. Not great involvement, but something was there for the receivers. Yeah, and I'm, I've been going back and forth over this in my head between at what point, with, you know, with the receivers not putting together a full game, does that become a legitimate worry versus, well, when you keep winning the way they're winning with defense and making just – at least one special teams play every single game doesn't really matter when you get the ball in the hands of Deuce Vaughn or, or Briley Moore. I, I guess this is where I'm kind of coming down on it. Uh, I think they can win that way against West Virginia. I don't think they can win that way against Oklahoma State. Uh, maybe I'm just uh, maybe I'm giving too, maybe I'm giving Oklahoma State too much credit, but I, I just feel like you're going to need a complete game 
from every unit in all three phases to, to, to win that game when Oklahoma State comes to Manhattan here in a couple of weeks. I would agree with that. Travis Tannehill, I saved this one for you. Um, it It's amazing to watch this series unfold because Kansas State now has won 12 in a row, and it seems to be a little bit different every time. There's a few games with David Beatty that actually got a little bit competitive, but sometimes it's the offense that just dominates. Sometimes the defense that dominates. This time it was special teams. K-State just finds a way to beat KU in a different way every year, and it's it's just amazing to continue to watch. Yeah, amazing and you know a lot of fun for, for Wildcat fans. I mean, I, I showed up in the program in 2009. I didn't really grow up a K-State fan, so uh, that, that, the 2009 started the, the, the win streak. So ever since I've been uh, following K-State and enjoying K-State, uh, it, it's been very lopsided and one-sided. Uh, but yeah, I know that they find different ways to win or maybe the better question is KU finds different ways to lose um, would be a better way to look at that. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I had watched a little bit of KU film and a little bit of tape and a few of their games here about like, man, they, they have a long way to go. And I don't know where you, I mean, less than a second. I mean, do you pull the plug on the guy now? Cause I mean, it's like year two and they're heading in a, you know, they're heading in the opposite direction very quickly. And so I don't, I mean, I just don't know if, you know, if you're Jeff Long, like what, what, where do you go from here? Cause as bad as they've been the last decade, I mean, this, this might be the lowest they've been. That's where I wanted to go next, Matt. Is this as bad a KU team as you've seen in a long time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because they're trying to do the rebuild from the ground up going with a lot of freshmen or is it just because they don't have enough players, period, doesn't matter how old they are? I think it's a mix of both. They're, you know, like we talked about last week, they're trying to live with some freshmen in certain spots, and you just you don't just roll in and win with freshmen. It just it doesn't happen. And, you know, they have a couple of defensive linemen that I think in time could be pretty good. They've got a couple guys in the secondary that in time I think could be pretty good. But there's just not, you know, there, there's zero wow factor with KU. You know, Parchment was quiet uh, on Saturday. They're, you know, arguably their top wide receiver. And they were missing a couple of wide outs, obviously. But, you know, Parchment um, did very, very little. In fact, Parchment didn't have a catch. And I would have told you for, for KU to have a chance in that ball game. He would have had to have eight or nine grabs for 150, 160 yards and a couple scores. And KU or K-State, you know, they snuffed him out. They put their thumb on him. He never got going at all. And, you know, KU never got going at all. It's just, you know, I think Golden Gardner's not bad. He's got he's got some speed. I mean, we saw it once or twice in the ball game. But there is just a whole lot of milk toast. On that on that football team, they just don't have anything that really scares you. I don't want to say, well, they're they're easy to game plan for. They are very easy to game plan for. I agree, um, Travis. I I don't even know what to say about KU. I they are claiming that they're trying to play a lot of young guys, but so is Kansas State. It's not like K State is just a really veteran team that just lining the guys up. They're getting a lot of freshmen involved. The Wildcats are starting a freshman at quarterback, at running back, at other spots on the field, 
true when redshirt freshmen are playing significant roles. So I don't take the youth movement excuse from KU as a reason why they're bad because K-State is doing it better. They're playing and winning with those type of kids. And even, I mean, if you're playing young guys, if you're playing inexperienced guys, I mean, you got to at least be able to compete for a while. I mean, that's what's been, it's just been utter domination from all of the big 12 on KU for the most part. And I mean, yeah, there's young guys across the board. I would say, you know, obviously KU's probably got a little K K state has much more experience than KU does. Um, But I mean, overall, there's just no, there seemed to be no fire, even, you know, right out of the get go, they they came out dead. They came out flat. Um, There just wasn't a whole lot of, fire motivation any belief that they thought they could win i mean if you're coach miles you at least gotta lie to your kids and tell them they're the greatest in the world and tell them they got a chance even if they don't and and build up some false confidence because i mean that team just looks demoralized they look um you know down in the dumps and like they don't want to be out there i mean you i saw them come out of the in the third quarter coming out for that second half and i mean it was the sluggish walk from the locker room we don't we just want to go home it's cold uh, look on, on a bunch of players' faces that, I, that I've seen in a long time. So, and that's that, that comes down from the top. I mean, that comes down from Coach Miles. I mean, that that type of behavior should not be, uh, you know, accepted if you're a head coach. I mean, you at least got to get those guys. But whether they come out and play, how much talent they have, that's one thing. But to just not be emotionally ready to come out and uh, give a good effort, I mean, that's unacceptable in my opinion. We are sponsored by Blue Mark Energy, and this is the Insiders Podcast from GoPowerCat.com. Does your company or your employer spend $4,000 or more a year on energy bills? Would you like to reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability? If so, it's time to speak with Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Ryan Black, uh, special teams uh, were good. That's a, that's that's my understatement of the day right there. They were good for K State. I I've never seen anything like what Philip Brooks did. I've covered K State football a long time. I've seen a lot of great returners. I wouldn't put Philip Brooks maybe in the top ten of those guys heading into this game. Maybe not even the top twenty, and yet he did something that is absolutely unheard of by averaging more than forty yards per return by having four. 40-plus yard returns in one game, something Big 12 teams as a collective have only done as a team over a course of a year. I, I was going to say that, uh, to me, the most remarkable stat of, of it all, and maybe you guys would say, well, that's a dumb one to pick out, but the fact that they had had multiple returns, punt returns for, for touchdowns in games before, but that this was the first time the same player had done it. That, to me... It's just what's so wild to think that K-State had been so good in the past that they could have multiple guys in the same game do it. Because I feel like, you know, punt return, unlike kick return, is kind of like where you want to stick with one guy, you know, for the most part. Whereas kick return, depending on which way the opposing team does the kickoff, you might have to go with the other guy. So uh, it, it was it was a phenomenal performance. And, and uh, it was just to me, it did get comical in the second half that they kept kicking to him. I kept – waiting to see if there's just something they're going to try to do to not get it to them. And, and they still did. And they did at least got a couple of fair catches out of them in the fourth quarter, which was disappointing for me just because I wanted to see what else he could keep doing. But uh, just absolutely remarkable. And, of course, he, you know, very uh, very deserving Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week yeah. award this week already. I missed that stat. Do you know who those two players were that combined for the 
the punt return touchdown? Oh, goodness. Um, I would need to get my media guide yeah, out in front of me real quick. But I, I saw there was at least two instances in the same game that K-State had two punt returns for touchdowns, but they were by different players. I think one of them involved Ty Zimmerman, Matt, when Ty came in to be good hands guy and then went ahead and took one back. Um, yeah, David Allen had the record for punt return yards in the game. I think it was 172. But Burks went flying right on by that. I don't know why KU just didn't take the snap and run out the back of the end zone. I mean, <laughs> why do you continue why do you continue to kick it to K-State? And that's what's you know, on the flip side of it is if you're gonna if you're just gonna go down the route of well what KU is, okay, but I think you have to go down the road of what K-State is right now. And again, just their their metamorphosis in the last month has been, you know, it's been extremely entertaining to watch and fun. You know, they're, they're getting a little thin in a couple spots with injuries, but what the special teams have done, uh, you know, and how they, how they block it. Um, you know, one of the, one of the uh, sledgehammers after the game went to Stan Weber. And I think for, you know, for good reason there, you know, all those guys are blocking, they're doing what you have to do. And, you know, Trav's been in those practices. And if if you're as good at special teams as K-State is, Travis, how much time do you think a West Virginia, an Oklahoma State, and, and so forth, are spending on K-State's special teams? Because that's got to gobble up some of their time on a weekly basis. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're I – mean, if you're talking a two, two-and-a-half-hour practice, I mean, if you're not spending – 30 minutes preparing, you know, preparing for yourself for special teams and also preparing for the other team. I mean, I, I think that would be foolish if you're an opposing team and you're not spending at least a half an hour a day, which, you know, talking 25% of practice time, um, you know, to, to cover special teams, which, you know, they say it's a third of the game, but realistically it's only whatever, a dozen snaps, maybe uh, 15 snaps. So it's, yeah, it's definitely something that those other teams have to have to account for. And what, what impressed me was we heard Coach Kleiman say this last week was, you know, at North Dakota State, he didn't, they didn't have to be good at special teams. They, they didn't want to put their best players out there. They wanted to keep those guys fresh and healthy. And to see his coaching staff, you know, kind of adapt and evolve within a year or two and kind of build off the tradition and build off the foundation that was already set here at Kansas State. I mean, that just shows a lot to me that these coaches are, um, you know, they have an open mind. They're willing to adapt. They're willing to, to coach to the players that they happen to have within get, any given year. Because um, there's nothing worse than a stubborn coach that is going to be, you know, the coaches that do it their way because it's always been that way. And, you know, oh, crap, we don't have a running quarterback this year, but I'm still going to run a running quarterback offense. Uh, there's nothing worse than that. So to see this coaching staff really adapt and uh, put an emphasis on special teams. But, yeah, absolutely. Th those opposing teams, uh, I would say they're spending at least 30 minutes plus per day um, at practice preparing for, for this Kansas State unit. What's incredible to me is they're not putting their best players out there I mean, Philip Brooks is a really good player, but you know, coming into the season, he was you know the fourth, maybe fifth wide receiver on the roster. He's very fast. He hadn't done much in the return game, but you look around those return units, it's the same guys. Coach Clements talked about this: Brock Monty, Ross Elder. I see Ryan Hennington out there, Nick Allen quite a bit, Tyler Burns. Some guys that are on scholarship now, but all guys who walked on, uh, and it just seems to me it's something that other programs could replicate if they wanted to take special teams seriously. But Travis, I want you to follow up with this. 
Is it because of the culture in that locker room that special teams is so damn important to Kansas State football that guys like Brock Monty and Ross Elder take it so seriously and take the ownership of it? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'll, you know, firsthand example. I mean, I was on punt team all, you know, sophomore, junior, senior year. Punt team sucks. You're on the shield. You just get blasted every single play. But it, it was it was a pride thing. I mean, me and Braden Wilson were back there, and we'd plug in. We'd swap in that number third guy. And, it, you know, we didn't let up a single tipped or blocked punt, I don't think, the, our whole entire career. And then, you know, second to that, you know, just on kickoff return unit. I mean, that's a um, – you know, we took a lot of pride being on that kickoff return unit and getting guys like, you know, Tyler Lockett and those guys into the end zone or, or as close as we could. And, uh, you know, as a senior, you get asked to, hey, you know, you're a senior now, you're playing a lot of snaps. You know, we can probably find a sophomore or a junior to get the job done. And, you know, me and Braden both went in and said, no, we, we want to stay on it. You know, we, we take a lot of pride in this unit. And we, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we think we're better than the sophomore that year. And they might be good enough, but I've been doing this for three years. I got a great feel of it. I know exactly what's expected. Um, you know, I know that's another six snaps a game or whatever, but, um, you know, I can find it in me to, to, to get the job done. So yeah, absolutely. I think you see a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of pride and two, you know, the guys that aren't starters, the guys that, um, you know, that's their only snaps of the game. I mean, they, you know, they know they got four or six, eight snaps per game. I mean, they can give a hundred percent effort, no matter what, uh, that, that's what they live for. That's what they practice all week for. And that's uh, when you have that, that, uh, you know, shows up on game day with a lot of success. Ryan Black, what's worse? Les Miles uh, having his team so woefully prepared on special teams or Les Miles admitting after the game that they spent extra time on special teams because they had some guys missing, and that was the result. uh, I just was astonished he admitted that. I'd be saying, hey, we just did a lousy job. I wouldn't say we spent extra time to get this result. I think it's definitely worse on the latter. I mean, why would you admit that? I mean – that's, I mean, any time that, you know, you, you get a question like that, you should lie or, or cover for your players or something. But to, like you said, kind of emphasize that we emphasized it in practice and still had such a terrible performance. I mean, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a lot worse. By the way, I did go back and look where I messed up, and I apologize, I did not look at it closely enough. The other times they included in this record book of, of you know, punt, punt return touchdowns they included blocks that were then taken ah. into the end zone so like one of them included uh on 9 6 2008 against montana state they had two blocks returned for touchdowns ernie pierce and chris carney and the other two instances also involved a block and then another punt return touchdown like a regular return so like i said this is the first time anyone's ever actually returned it after fielding the punt but, Matt, so, those things go hand in hand. I mean, K-State has proven that they can block punts. They did it three yep. games in a row. Now now you're going to practice on protecting your punter, and you don't practice on getting down the field and covering, let alone having your punter trained to kick to the boundary. I'll give the third-string guy a break. He was a, a freshman thrown into action when he never expected to be playing, uh, and he I, I, he was supposed to kick it out of bounds, and he kicked it right down the middle of the field to – to Brooks for another touchdown, I'll give him a break. I mean, yeah, I no, it's just bad. It's just bad. It's horrible. There's nothing. There's nothing more beautiful though when it is blocked perfectly, oh. and you can see it coming from a mile away. Uh, you know, the the first one that Brooks took back. You know, granted, I'm in the north end zone, but after he took two steps, after he caught the ball and took two steps, I'm like, he's going to score because you can just see the wall lined up and where everybody is. And nobody in a white jersey had a remote chance of 
of getting to him. And, and then, and then in his second punt return, you know, he, he had to do slightly more work, but man, when you have, when you have a special teams unit that is clicking on all cylinders and when when they block it upright, um, you know, you may have a guy or two get planted, but just when a guy gets walled off for four or five seconds and, and boom, down the sideline or down the, the numbers, a guy goes, well, that's fun to watch. And it's, you know, we've, we've been spoiled over the years that to get a watch in case they just light people up on special teams. It is a thing of beauty. It is. It really is. This is the Powercat Insiders podcast from GoPowerCat.com. We're sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. We'll be back on the other side of this short break with some more talk about K-State's win over KU. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. I am Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com, and we're joined by Matt Walters of the K-State Radio Network, former K-State tight end Travis Tannehill, who also does some work pre-game coverage for the program on the Jumbotron, if that's what it's still called, and Ryan Black, our Georgia boy who covers K-State for the Manhattan Mercury. This is the Insiders Podcast where we collect some of the guys that cover K-State the closest and bring you their insights on the Wildcats. And as I said, we are sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark is a natural gas products and services provider serving feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Well, uh, we got to talk about this. We never got to him really. Will Howard um, settled in, looked pretty good there at the start of the second half. I continue to grow in my optimism of this guy because even when he's not being productive, Matt, he puts off an air of confidence. He doesn't look like he's rattled, doesn't look like he's scared. It just looks like he's not in the groove yet, and he got in the groove. The offense got in the groove. As Chris Kleiman put it, they got out of their own way with stopping the penalties, which were horrendous in the first half. But Will Howard took a significant step forward, and that is so important this week going to West Virginia and certainly next week when Oklahoma State comes to town. Yeah, another another tough road game for K-State in – you know, Will Howard really hasn't flinched. He's not been perfect. He's made some mistakes. You expect that. Again, he's a freshman, but he throws for 243 yards uh, and a couple of scores. And 
you know, his completion percentage is, you know, almost 75% against Kansas. Um, you know, we'll see what it's like Saturday against West Virginia. That's been, you know, been ranked number one in the country in, in defense. You know, again, there's not really going to be a home field advantage in Morgantown. There's not really a home field advantage anywhere this year with, with COVID and the, and the various protocols in place. But, you know, I, I like what I've seen from Will Howard. He's got enough guys that are making plays. His offensive line guy, Cooper Beebe, back. And if K-State just keeps doing what they're doing, they're going to be in, in great shape. You you know, as I think from the from a fan standpoint, you're chomping at the bit because you want to see K-State host an unbeaten Oklahoma State in a little less than two weeks. You want there to be that hype and that pub for that game and, and not to see K-State, you know, uh, run into a speed bump at West Virginia. They got beat at Texas Tech. It's it's a football team to me that, you know, K-State's got to shut down Letty Brown. They got to keep him uh, in control and, and not let Jared Dagey go crazy. I mean, Dagey hasn't been, you know, I wouldn't call him great this year by any stretch, but it's it's still going to be tough for K-State to get out of Morgantown with a win on Saturday. Travis, biggest test for the Wildcats in the last, well, since playing Oklahoma, which is always a test, I think it, think it might be. Although TCU was a challenge, something about this West Virginia team uh, kind of troubles me. I think K-State might have some issues with the Mountaineers. I mean, yeah, whenever you're – I mean, true freshman on the road. I, mean, I, don't, I don't care who you're playing. If you got true freshman on the road, that's always going to be, um, you know, a, a tall task. And still, you know, as as well as as good as Will Howard's stat line looked, I mean, it could have been better. I mean, he had at least three drops that I can remember off the top of my head. Um, they tried to get Malik involved early. Um, he had two drop, two not, not tough catches, but still, at the end of the day, they were drops. And um, you know, for this offense, I mean. It, 10, 10 different receivers caught the ball or 10 different tight ends, receivers, running backs caught the ball. So they're spreading the ball around well. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they still need one or two wide receivers to step up and become those go-to players. But um, overall, like Matt said, step in the right direction for Will Howard. Um, I think if he continues to progress, continue to get better, uh, they'll have a good shot against West Virginia. But, I mean, overall, this is, like you said, this is a tougher task than Oklahoma just because of the quarterback situation. You know, with Skyler Howard, um, I, I thought K-State had a better chance to win against OU. Now with a young freshman quarterback, I think this is a bigger test for this team just because of, uh, you know, that's who we got calling the shots right now at the quarterback position. I agree. Um, shifting topics here with you, Ryan Black. K-State's defense uh, continues to make progress. I thought they looked pretty good. Uh, boy, guys, I tell you what, Chris Kleiman once in a while says something. I'm like, wow, that's right off Bill Snyder. Um, when he talked about that second team defense coming in and giving up the short field touchdown with the uh, Mosey fumbling the ball, turning it over. They were really disappointed that the second-team defense couldn't keep KU's first-team def- offense out of the end zone. That was so Snyder-like. Um, find those challenges within a game. But, Ryan Black, I, th- I really like where this defense is headed, and they're going to have one heck of a test at West Virginia. Yeah, and, and, I mean, you guys have brought this up. It does seem, you know, West Virginia's really had K-State's number, you know, in, in recent years. So, if nothing else, I mean, that that makes it a tough test. And, and you guys might disagree with this, but, you know, to me, you know, when I look back at, at last season, that's really the only game that K-State lost where you're kind of like, you know, that, that's really a game that on paper they should have won, you know, because, I mean, K-State, I cannot remember what the line was, but I remember K-State was favored to win that game. 
And I mean, it was a shock to me that they lost, especially because they gave up that late touchdown where it was like a 52 yard pass play where their receiver got behind all the KZ's DBs. But switching back specifically to the defense, real quick, um, the guy to me who I feel like has quietly kind of gone about his business every week and, and has really stepped up to me in terms of a guy I wasn't expecting is Boom Massey. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't get the pub that, that Wyatt Hubert, certainly not the, the most talked about guy the preseason, Khalid Duke maybe gets. But he just he just seems to kind of be in on on, on everything, you know. When we, when uh, K State gets pressure uh, in the backfield, so you know, kudos to him for stepping up as a senior. Yeah, Matt Boom Massey's been a different guy. He's healthy. He looks more confident. He looks like he knows his role better right now. But they've had guys all across that defensive line step up. Had a walk on get a a sack there in the second half. It's just been impressive to see the rotation along that defensive line. And guys like Boom Massey being so effective. Yeah, and I put Drew Wiley in that mix as yeah. well because I thought coming into the year that I thought Casey would be serviceable at the D tackles, but uh, they've really done a nice job there. And Drew Wiley is just—I mean, he's he's in there play after play, he's sticking his nose in there. He's not a guy that's going to rack up a bunch of sacks, but is just solid. And you know, he was one of those out-of-state guys that that told me just how much he wanted to win that game on Saturday for the in-state guys because of how much it, it means to him. So, uh, you know, again, K-State doesn't have that consensus first-team All-American type dude um, on that defense, but, you know, Justin Gardner is stepping up. Uh, and I'll tell you, I, I think that uh, – I think the White Hubert, if it wasn't his best game – it was it was one B because he he played on Saturday. I, I just I liked his his effort and his complete game uh, that he put together in beating K. And K State's going to need that in Morgantown. You know, I want to not to jump too far forward, but Ryan referenced Oklahoma State, and there's one thing I kept thinking watching them against um, against Iowa State after you know after the the K State KU game is when you look at Pistol Pete, they have a pretty good young quarterback. He can do a lot of things, but they have they have that guy at running back and they have that guy at wide receiver. They are as complete a team as K-State will have played when we get to that point next week. I, I, was, I was impressed with Oklahoma State. They're not perfect, but they, they sure do a lot of things, a lot of things well. Yeah, they do. Uh, and it's the defense. We talk about offensive players with Oklahoma State so easily. Quarterback, running back, receiver. Oh, by the way, their defense is kicking butt right now, too. And they did a good job against Iowa State. Travis, A.J. Parker goes down on Saturday. Um, leaves with an ankle injury. Looks like he's going to be okay. Chris Kleiman didn't really have an update on that. Um, he's not too worried, I don't think, about A.J. for this upcoming game. But again, a key player goes out for K-State. And the team doesn't miss a step now. They have taken the next man up attitude to the nth degree. It's really amazing to watch some of these guys roll in that maybe haven't played as much, and everything just looks the same. Yeah, I mean, I think, unfortunately, part of that has to do with the lack of firepower on, on KU's offense. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I do think, you know, that that is a serious concern. Whether he plays and, and he's, he's gimpy or, or whether he can't go this week, um, I, I mean, look for a better offense to, to try to pick on whoever we slide in there um, and, and just to, to take advantage of 
uh, of either a young or an inexperienced uh, DB or corner. So, yeah, I do think, yes, it, it does seem that this defense from a, from a mental, emotional side, yeah, it's, it's next man up mentality. Um, no fear in their eyes. Let's go play some football. But uh, unfortunately, you know, losing a player the caliber of A.J. Parker is uh, it, it will hurt you down the stretch against some good some good teams. You know, Fitz, one thing to think about on Saturday, and I, I remember the first time I heard it said, but it, it could it could play a part on Saturday. Usually in 11 o'clock ball games, the edge goes to the visiting team. I'm curious to see if K-State takes advantage of that this week because it's actually it's actually going to be like a almost like a 10 a.m. kick uh, here in Manhattan. So I I, I really like K-State's chances on Saturday. It's not going to be easy, but I, I'm curious to see if, uh, if Daniel Boone comes out of the gates <laughs> ready to play because remember last year K-State got on West Virginia quickly. And then, you know, like Ryan alluded to earlier, uh, gave away that that victory with quite a gut, uh, gut punch last year. Ryan, I want to ask you this because you're kind of the outsider of this group. You haven't been around this series as long as everyone else here, uh, particularly the two old farts. Um, Who are you talking about? It's uh, me and my dog. Um, Les Miles is in year two. He has laid out this plan, if you want to call it that, to go young, recruit only freshmen, build from the bottom up. It might work. It might not. But because of the nature of that plan, if Les Miles stays healthy and wants to keep coaching, do you have to give him at least four, if not five years to see that plan through? Well, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I can't see any way that, like you said, with all the all of the publicity that and the the show that they made out of out of hiring Miles that they would drop kick him to the curb because I mean I think they the people at KU were more aware than anybody of how how long this was going to take to try to rebuild um, and I mean is it going worse than probably they even expected maybe but I mean I I guess unless he commits some kind of violation Fitz I, I can't see them just because again the thing is I I always view you know, people talking about getting rid of any coach in terms of this. Okay, who are you going to bring in that you think is going to turn things around quickly? And I just – I don't think that that's possible for anybody right now. Personally, I mean, I'm not saying there wouldn't be a coach who would have them more ready than like we were mentioning about the the special teams thing. But I think at the end of the day, they just have so maybe little talent overall that, you know, I mean, they're they're playing about to what you would expect. The one thing I will point out, man, it has to be real salt in the wound for them to see Khalil Herbert just balling out at Virginia Tech. Last year, they had both him and Puka on the same team. Herbert leaves after four games last year. Puka, four games this year. Now they have neither. I don't know that Puka will play college football again. Maybe he will. Um, Or maybe he's just thinking NFL. But, man, Herbert's just – I always thought Herbert was the better player, Matt. I always thought Khalil Herbert was the better all-around running back and they just didn't give him enough carries, and I think he's proving it at Virginia Tech. The thing I want to say that, that I'm just – and this is kind of a little bit off topic, not just because it wasn't something we touched on specifically, but that to me is so incredibly impressive about K-State is, okay, you know, Walter Neal, who was, who was a key player in the secondary for years, he transferred out, you know, before this season even started. You know, now we've had, you know, Joshua Youngblood do the same thing in the middle of the season. 
uh, Skylar Thompson's out for the season. You know, K-State does not have the kind of talent that a Clemson or Alabama or Ohio State, whatever. But the fact that K-State just continues to find guys to fill in and just not miss a beat it is such an incredible testament to this coaching staff and to the players. You know, because I just I, – again, I, I thought, you know, losing Neil, I mean, I thought that would be a, somewhat of a loss. And I know that, you know, Youngblood didn't do much through the first four games, but you're still losing a guy who is an All-America kick returner and a guy that I guess I seem to think was going to continue to become a bigger part of the offense. And it's just like they just shrugged it off and kept on chugging. I agree. Matt, Khalil Herbert, um, what what do you – I mean, it's just amazing. The guy's really good, and he, he was not being used very much at KU despite having almost 300 yards in one game. Sometimes it's just a, a shot that a guy needs, and he's taking advantage of it. And I think you need to change the name of this show from the Insiders Podcast to the Ryan Black Hour. Just <laughs> – we can shut off our mics. Just let him talk. Let him go. We've been three weeks without a rant, so I don't know about you, Trav. I'm shutting my mic off because I think it's time for Ryan Black's rant because I want to. I want to hear where this is and where it comes from. Do you got a rant, Ryan? Anything? Well, the thing is, if if I did rant on this topic that I did a lot of ranting on last week, I would probably get fired because of of it being internal ah. thing. That. Oh, then you better shut your hole. Then I wouldn't say a word. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan is done let's for just, the show. Let's just, let's just say that, that we're keeping it inside the locker room. But there was a lot of very, um, uh, there was a lot of ranting from Ryan Black last week. Uh, don't we say kinda, anything else. Okay, we trust you. We've all been in those work environments. We get it. Yeah. We understand. Uh, so. <laughs> hey, be glad you've got a job and that you're getting paid. That's get right. I mean, that's, that, is, that is what I said in my first uh, punning of the rant at the beginning of this year was that I am thankful just given all of the this craziness with this pandemic that to have Stop, a job. Quit talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love this. I want to shift gears here. Travis, uh, I was looking at this uh, on Twitter. Highest passer rating by a duo this decade in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson. Second, Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson to Tyler Lockett. Lockett. Third, Brady to Gronk. Dude, I don't think K-State talks about that enough. I think they let themselves get framed as a program that doesn't throw it all over the field, so it's not good for receivers. And yet, I think this tends to prove that this system, and really K-State now and then isn't that much of a different system, is a perfect breeding ground for a guy to understand how to be a receiver at the NFL level. Yeah, and I think both those guys epitomize exactly what Kansas State is. I mean, those guys are two of the hardest working guys to ever put on the purple uniform. Um, they're both highly, highly intelligent and, and um, the, the, and I, I believe it's all Skip Bayless this morning say, you know, Tyler Lockett, not the fastest, not the, not the biggest, but man, he gets open better than anyone else in the NFL. And so it's like, yeah, these guys not might, and, and don't get me wrong. They're both very, very gifted athletes and, and, and wide receivers, but they're not the most gifted in the NFL by any means, but yet they are, they both were so good for so long at getting open. They catch the ball when it's thrown to them. They're dependable. Obviously their respective quarterbacks loved them. It always seemed like they were, uh, getting plenty of balls their way because they're reliable. And, and that kind of does fit the, the K-State mold of, you know, reliable, be on time, work your tail off. 
do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it and uh, and you'll have success so yeah i mean i, I both those guys loved loved obviously love jordy um throughout his career and, and thoroughly enjoying watching tyler lockett get thrown through an exceptional uh man russell wilson's good too though he's yeah. fun to watch and and watching him throw the ball all around the field to tyler i mean tyler makes some exceptional exceptional catches making making them look easy and then matt byron pringle takes it to the house for the chiefs it just kind of fit the whole theme of the weekend didn't it yeah, that's, that's where I was going to go next is kudos to Byron Pringle because he's not a frontline guy, but he has accepted his role in the NFL and he loves what he's doing. And I just, I had to chuckle on Saturday and bless you Fitz when, um, you know, on the jumbotron or, you know, the video boards that they played Andy Reid's comments about right place, right time, making a play and great for K state and so forth. And then on Sunday, that, that kick return, I mean, that, he was an underrated guy at Kansas State, and I, I hope he sticks in the league for a long time. He should because I, I think like Jordy and like uh, like Tyler, you know, he, he's he's not to that level, but he still was a guy that dotted I's and crossed T's, and now you see it paying off for him. And K-State's got the reputation. Um, you know, K-State's going to put guys in the NFL, and I hope young men coming out of uh, high school or the junior college ranks – realize that because with this staff they're still they're going to be they're going to be moving guys into the nfl ryan black can uh k-state run this table in the big 12 i mean i i feel like after oklahoma state if they can beat the cowboys um they're competitive with everyone else don't go there don't go there matt says they, they definitely could i mean i think you know the oklahoma state iowa state are the two toughest games but I definitely think they'll beat Baylor. Uh, and in Texas, you know, Texas has more talent, but we've seen how often that doesn't seem to show up week to week. So, no. you know, and the fact that Texas won't have anything to play for at this point when they come to Manhattan in December, I I would think K-State should be favored in that game. So, Okay, Matt, I'm sorry if we jinxed it. I apologize. Don't go there. One game at a time. And it's West Virginia on Saturday in Morgantown. We'll see if K-State can get to 5-0 and in the Big 12. Guys, it's kind of weird. This is the midpoint of a 10-game season. They're at the midpoint already. What the hell's going on? This COVID thing, I can't take where, it. Where did you guys think they would be after they lost the first game? Oh, I thought they were going to offer until they played Kansas. Wow. They ranked 16th in the country. Yeah. Not that that matters a whole lot, but... I guarantee you, after losing to Arkansas State, none of us thought K-State would rip off the wins they have and be ranked in the top 20. Trevor, no, nope. I, I didn't. Trevor <laughs> are they going to end up regretting that Arkansas State loss an awful lot towards the end of the season? I mean, that's the weird part. I mean, if they don't lose to Arkansas State, though, do they get the wake-up call and do True. they really you know, bring it early on in the season like they have been? I mean, it's it, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but I, what I would have loved, I would have loved to have you know, Arkansas State was not a bad opponent. That's kind of, um, you know, your third non-conference game uh, prior to going at your final tune-up before going into Big 12. I would have loved to have those first two non-con games where you can come out and play a B-minus, C-plus football game and still win. Because that's, that's what we did. We played a C-plus football game against Arkansas State and got beat. Um, where if you have those first two non-con games where you get a little bit more of a warm-up, um, I think K-State finds a way to be 3-0 uh, heading into Big 12 play instead of 0-1. So, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. It is what it is. But overall, looking good in the Big 12. The good news from the pandemic is, is I've discovered Sunbelt football is the fun belt 
Those games are fun to watch. They get after it. They're pretty good teams. Yeah, I'm all in on the fun belt. It's like six-man football. It kind of is. They get out there and score a bunch of points. And um, I've really enjoyed college football this year because out of necessity, the networks have been showing other other programs, other leagues than they normally would. And there's good football out there that's enjoyable to watch. The last thing I want to say, Fitzy, before we wrap it up is I mentioned this way back when 2020 is providing us and producing things that you, we didn't expect. Don't don't for a second think you have an idea what's going to happen. Indiana beats Penn State. Scotty Hazleton's defense gets carved up by Rutgers. There is a quadruple doink field goal, which I've never seen before. I didn't think it was possible. It's it's just that's the great thing. This football season is like Kansas weather. Wait five minutes because it's going to change. That's so true. He is Matt Walters, my longtime friend and radio sidekick. I guess I was your sidekick. I think that's how it you works. You were my sidekick. I yes. was I was the sidekick to the Lone Ranger. Travis Tannehill, the former tight end, and Ryan Black. Our Southern boy here to cover K-State for the Manhattan Mercury, and this has been the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.